So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You are a priest forever. As he says also in another place, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of the flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of God for the people of God. So for many, this letter to the Hebrews is one of the more confusing books in the Christian scriptures. It draws and assumes that we understand an ancient form of worship that the Jews practiced with a high priest rather than just a pastor or a priest. It revolves around sacrifices. It has a different set of holy days. And yet clearly the author of this letter to the Hebrews, and we don't really know who the author is, but this author thinks that this notion of understanding Jesus as the high priest is really important if we're to understand what God was doing in Christ and particularly the role of his suffering and death. I think there are two things here today the author wants to address. The first one, he wants to share some knowledge about Jesus and the role of suffering in his revelation. But he also wants to do a second thing. He wants to inspire these early Christians. He wants to inspire them to carry on with vigor despite their feelings of weariness, despite the fatigue they're apparently experiencing. He mentions how tired they are and worn out in several places throughout this letter. This might be a good place to note. This is not necessarily the same images or the same theology that the Apostle Paul uses. We've been reading from his letters the last few weeks. This is coming at the understanding of what God was doing in Christ from a very different perspective. But it's a good time for us to remember that although the Bible is one book, it's not just one book. It's a book of books, 66 different books describing experiences with God from a variety of perspectives. They do not all approach it in the same way. They have different insights and different help and different understandings. Hebrews clearly, more than any of the others, wants people to think about what it might mean if we understood Jesus of Nazareth as being lifted up as a high priest we're going to think about that, but we might need a little background because not all of us are familiar. It will help us if we remember that the time this is being written, there is one temple in Jerusalem. It's the focus of all Jewish worship. In the center of the temple is the Holy of Holies. It's the place where God dwells. But nobody was to go in the Holy of Holies. Because in a sense, it was too much of God 
too much concentrated divine power in one place. And when there's that much power, that much divinity, that much of God, it becomes a place of terror and death. It's important to remember that throughout the Hebrew scriptures, there's a strand of theology that says they understand to see God face to face was too much for any human. You cannot see God face to face and survive. You cannot see God face to face and live. If you get too close, it'd be like getting too close to the sun. It's overwhelming. You cannot survive it. To be in the holy of holies, the place of God, is to be overwhelmed by the sheer force of divinity concentrated in that place so no one was to go into the holy of holies except the high priest but even the high priest only once a year on their high holy day yom kippur or the day of atonement is a holy day for jews marked by prayer fasting and repentance prayer fasting and repentance it sounds a lot like our season of lent does it not we're called to do those same things during this season in preparation for easter sunday prayer fasting and repentance maybe that's why we read hebrews during this season so on the day of atonement the high priest is the one that goes in to the holy of holies to represent the whole people all the people of the world to go in to offer gifts and make sacrifices asking god for forgiveness of our sins recognizing that all people sin all of us need forgiveness the high priest goes on our behalf into the place the holy of holies it's like when Moses was to receive the Ten Commandments. The people said, you go up on the mountain. Too much God up there for all of us. You go and represent us. Come back and tell us and we'll listen. But actually they didn't wait and they didn't listen. They worshipped a golden calf instead. But it is the origin story for the Day of Atonement. For this special day where the high priest representing all the people of the world takes gifts and makes sacrifices and asks for God's forgiveness and favor. The author of Hebrews says there's been a whole series of high priests, but then one came that was different from all the rest. And this one, Jesus of Nazareth, is the great one the perfect high priest the one who makes sacrifice once for all the one as it said in the text we read there in verse 9 becomes the source of our eternal salvation this author describes it summarizes it in verse 7 in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard 
because of his reverent submission. Seeing the power of sacrifice and obedience. Hebrews interprets the suffering and death of Jesus as the one final and ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. But it opens the door for the paradox of the gospel that seeing the suffering and death of Jesus also reveals to us the power of God. What the early Christians all testified to was that somehow through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God had done something new and unique and that Jesus was revealing to us the power of God's love for us even in times of pain and suffering. Maybe especially in times of pain and suffering. Dr. William Barclay was perhaps the greatest biblical commentator of the last century. He writes this about our passage. He says, the sacrifice of Jesus perfectly shows the love of God. In that life of service, and in that death of love, there stands fully displayed the heart of God. Looking at Jesus, we can say that is what God is like. He goes on to say, for another thing, the life and death of Jesus was an act of perfect obedience. And therefore, the only perfect sacrifice. All scripture at its deepest declares that the only sacrifice God desires is obedience. And in the life and death of Jesus, that is precisely the sacrifice that God received. In Jesus, there is at one and the same time the perfect revelation of God and the perfect offering of obedience. Therefore, his sacrifice cannot and need not ever be made again. Fanny Crosby is a name you might know. She's one of the great hymn writers from our Methodist past. She wrote mainly in the late 1800s, the early 1900s. She was a part of several Methodist churches in the northeast part of our country where she lived. She was dedicated to serving the poor. She gave away much of the wealth she earned through her poem and hymn writing to help those in poor, so much so that there were debates in her later life if she was living in abject poverty and others should help her. But at any time they came to her, she said, I'm fine, even though she was living in very modest circumstances. But perhaps even more remarkable than her life of service was that she was blind from birth. Yet she claimed, whenever asked about this, that her blindness was a blessing. Let me just read a couple of sentences of what she says about that. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind for all of my life. And I thank Him for this dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. 
I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things all about me. Her blindness gave her a, a different life and different insights into faith. She wrote almost every day, often several poems or hymns a day. Before she was done, she had written thousands upon thousands of lyrics or poems or hymns. Perhaps the best known is in our hymnal, number 369, Blessed Assurance. And there she talks about her understanding of this reverent submission or this perfect submission that the Gospels talk about. You probably remember how she opens the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But then in verse 2, she starts with perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bringing from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Then in the beginning of verse 3, she goes back to perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Fanny Crosby seems to relish in submission to Christ. But for many of us as Americans, we're freedom-loving and independent people, and we don't want to submit to anybody for anything. It can be hard to read about the suffering of Christ, to think about what God might be calling us to submit to or to suffer or to endure on behalf of proclaiming love in a powerful way in the world not for Fanny Crosby. Perfect submission for her is perfect delight. Submission to her is not a struggle or a burden. It's a place of rest and blessing to submit to Christ for her. She says brings mercy and love. And in fact, you're able to be permeated by God's love in Christ, she says. You're lost in his love. Even if we struggle with it, it is good to think about, especially during the season of Lent, this idea of submission, of surrender, of giving up, of giving up some things in our lives that are negative, of doing some self-denial, doing some fasting, doing some deeper examination of who we are and how we're living. I think Crosby captures it so well, this Christian idea of submission to God or obedience to God in Christ is one of release and relief. That's what she says and has experienced. What does it mean for you to be lost in the love of Christ? To submit? Is it delight? Or is it struggle? Fanny Crosby and the Gospels invite us to see it as the revelation of God's love and to step into it 
and embrace it in our own lives. Hebrews says the one we submit to is the one who is able. God is able, Hebrews says, to sustain us through all things, even when we're weighed down by the burdens and the weariness and the fatigue of life. You can probably hear it best later in this letter. Chapter 12, the author says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And then this, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The prayer from Hebrews the prayer is God help us the promise is God will amen